Canada should prepare for the worst. That is the warning from the Trudeau government if the U.S. passes President Biden's Build Back Better Act. Jerry Dias is the president of Unifor. He joins us now with more on this here on Global News Radio. Jerry, good afternoon. Nice to talk as always. A pleasure as always, mine, Jeff. All right. For those that have not been following this too closely, uh, Jerry, what is worrisome about this Build Back Better Act? Well, it's the fact that they're possibly putting our auto industry, not even possibly, if they proceed, they could be putting our entire auto industry at risk here in Canada. And we know between just auto and auto parts, it's over 100,000 jobs. It's uh, it's about a $70 billion export industry to Canada. So uh, this can be an incredible, this can be a huge problem for us. And that means that we have to be prepared for the worst, which means that we are going to have to retaliate in an incredibly aggressive, serious way. Okay, before we get to that, though, this is all about the uh, EV tax credit uh, in the States. Uh, They're going to offer some pretty big incentives for American consumers to buy EVs that are uh, solely uh, made by union workers in the U.S., is that correct? Well, there's a couple of pieces to this, but yes, they're talking about a $16,500 um, a rebate to you know to buy American assembled vehicles, but what are the flaws with the whole argument? First of all, I agree with the argument that the governments are going to invest in green technology. I understand that, but what we're saying is you got to exclude Canada from this. We have to be a part of the solution, uh, not creating a bigger problem. And I say that because if you look at a Canadian assembled vehicle, eighty-five percent of the parts that come into or that go into in a Canadian assembled vehicle come from the states. So, for example, you can't buy a Chrysler Pacifica um, that's made in Windsor without, you know, the engines that come from Trenton and Dundee, which are both in Michigan. The shells are stamped in Sterling Hills, uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan. The transmissions are from Kokodo, Indiana. The batteries, you know, come from Michigan. The air can, I, I can walk right through it. So you can't start saying that, look, we're going to give incentives um, for vehicles assembled in the U.S., then penalize the auto parts workers that build parts for for Canadian assembled vehicles. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's you know it's shooting yourself in the foot candidly. Okay, well we know discussions, lobbying going on uh, behind the scenes, behind closed doors here between our government and the U.S. government. How likely is it that Canada could get an exemption here? Do you think? No, I think if, if I think we will get an exemption. I'm hoping so. Hopefully, that's just not the optimistic side of me, because it doesn't make a ton of sense. And the other side of it is Canada is is, is taking a very aggressive role because Canada is the number one export market for 33 states. We're the number one trading partner, so this is a big deal for the United States as well. So we're we're, we're taking a, a, an aggressive position because, look, taking up the Boy Scout position isn't going to work very well for us. Um, ultimately, they can't cherry pick when they have a relationship with us. And frankly, we should be getting sick and tired of it. If I look at what's happening right now, we're, we're fighting. We have a, a softwood lumber dispute going on with the U.S. that every time we go to the World Trade Organization with the dispute mechanism, we win. So it's not as if the U.S. even cares about uh, about the world uh, tribunals. So, you know, we are in a situation where American consumers are paying $36,000 more for a new build just because of the duties they're putting on Canadian uh, imported softwood lumber. So there's not a lot of intelligence going on with some of the arguments that are being made. 
And ultimately, we're going to have to be very aggressive to say to the United States that two can play this game. Yeah, is one of the points we can make, Jerry, is that this is, I don't know, in contravention, if you will, of the latest free trade uh, agreement, or at least the, the spirit of it? Well, you can make those arguments, but I'm not convinced that the Americans even care about the legality of things. Because if they cared about the legality of things, we, they wouldn't have imposed any tariffs on softwood lumber. Because like I said, every time we've gone to the world tribunals, they've lost. But ultimately, they're looking to green the economy, which makes sense. They're looking to diversify their economy as it relates to the argument on a green economy. That makes sense. But in order for them to build electric vehicles, they need what we have. They need our nickel. They need our our, our uh, um, aluminum. They need our cobalt. They need our magnesium. They need our raw materials and natural resources. So ultimately, if the United States is going to take direct aim at destroying our number one manufacturing industry in this country, well, then the gloves have to be off. There's no use playing nice in the sandbox and end up watching your, your key industries go away. I mean, because if the auto industry leaves, what's next? So we have to be very aggressive. we got to make sure that they understand we're not messing around. We may have to be incredibly aggressive, as we have been in the past. And we'll see where this thing takes us. But look, like I said, uh, coming in second isn't an option this time around. Let me, let me tell you. Candidly. You've mentioned the word aggressive several times here. What would you like to see? What should the federal government be doing in response to this uh, Build Back Better Act uh, if it goes through? Well, first of all, they're already talking about slapping tariffs on some of the key exports, and we're going to have to do that. Um, If they're going to declare war on the auto industry, they, in essence, are declaring war on the Canadian economy. That means we're going to have to start to hit them in the key states um, that, that, you know, depend on Canada for for the majority of their exports. Uh, If we're forced to, because they're looking at killing our auto industry, they're looking to do the exact same in Mexico. I would suggest of Canada and Mexico decided to stop shipping auto parts across the border. That would shut down the American auto industry in about eight seconds. That'll get their attention in a flash. So there's different things that we need to do. I realize it sounds aggressive and it sounds bold, but I go back to the days when Ed Lumley was the, was the industry minister federally under Trudeau's government. And when the Japanese were bringing in all their cars on freighters and dumping into the Canadian market, and Lumley said to the Japanese automakers, well, take every car off the freighters and we'll check it bolt by bolt by bolt to make sure it complies. Today, we have assembly plants um, in Alliston, Cambridge and Woodstock as a result of that bold, brash behavior. And you have to learn from your history. And frankly, you can't. we just can't get pushed around. Uh, we have too much to lose. And frankly, we have too much to offer. So. Okay, I can hear the urgency. I think we all can in your voice, uh, Jerry. Do you believe that that same urgency is with the Canadian government uh, right now in their discussions with the U.S.? Look, no question about it. I've spoken to the Prime Minister. I've talked to Christian Freeland, the Finance Minister. I've spoken to every major uh, minister. I've spoken to the Ontario government. I've spoken to the Premier. I've, look, everybody understands what this means. And it's, it's not just about the industry, but it's about our relationship. And look, we thought we had a terrible relationship with Trump because we didn't have an adult in the White House. We expected things would be better with Biden, but ultimately Biden is trying to win back the protectionist argument that he lost to Trump. Um, So he is being very aggressive. And frankly, we just can't 
take a passive approach on this. Everybody understands what's at stake here. Yeah, just finally, uh, to, I guess we're at a transformative point in the auto sector in particular here. Just to, how poised are we when it comes to EV? I think last time you and I talked, uh, you were quite uh, bold about uh, what Canada was uh, about to embark on when it comes to building uh, electric vehicles, uh, EVs. But uh, if this goes through on the U.S. side, could that halt all of that, do you think? Well, there's some firm commitments made um, that the automakers are telling us they're moving forward regardless. Um, we have other situations such as the Chrysler plant in Brampton where Stellantis um, is not confirming the next generation of elect- or the, the next generation which will be electric vehicles for the Brampton facilities because they're waiting to see how this thing unfolds. Uh, the auto industry decisions are made years and years in advance. So that's why right now is incredibly, is incredibly important. But the other side of this is we have to be aggressive and we're going to have to put our money where our mouth was uh, or where our mouth is because I don't see governments putting a $16,500 incentive on consumers buying vehicles for a long, for, you know, they're not going to keep that strategy in place for a long time. How, how long do you honestly think that governments are going to subsidize consumers buying cars that they need? So it would be something that would probably hang around for a couple of years. But regardless, the key piece right now, Jeff, is uh, companies are making long-term investment decisions, and we need this decision behind us sooner than later. All right. Got to leave it there for now. We will, of course, be watching this with interest. Jerry, many thanks as always, and have a great holiday and Christmas season. Best to you and your family, Jeff. Take care. Appreciate it. Jerry Dias, president of Unifor. We're back after a break here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.